Hey, good morning, Vineyard. Uh, my name is Gino Allison, and I'm so glad that you uh, are joining us today. Um, we got a lot <laughs> going on in the world, right? Um, and I believe that we are experiencing a crisis within a crisis. For months now, as you know, we've been dealing with this global pandemic, this COVID-19 pandemic that has claimed now uh, over 100,000 American lives. It has a sheltering in place, which is one of the reasons why I'm talking to you through a camera right now. Uh, and it seems like we'll be doing this for a little bit longer as uh, we try to figure out uh, when and how it's going to be safe for us to meet. But now on top of all that, we've had to deal with now a full-blown racial crisis in our country as we are experiencing these really pronounced, these really high-profile instances of racial injustice targeted at African-American men and women, specifically this week in this country. And not only have we dealt with those instances, but we've dealt with the ensuing public outcry that has included violent demonstrations in cities all across America with riots and looting in the streets. And we've been here before, right? And what we know is that these incidents can be so complicated and so multi-layered. And so it is my instincts as a pastor, uh, as a shepherd, to help you make sense of all of this in light of who God has called us to be and in light of, the, in light of this reality that we're called to exist within the confines of Christian faith. It is my conviction to help you frame all of this ugliness in light of Christian faith and in light of the scriptures. And this week as I process this with friends and as I process this week's events through tears and through pain and through anguish. Uh, at one point I asked out loud, what is wrong with people? What's wrong with people? What, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with humanity that we can be so cruel, that we can be so hateful, that we can be so indifferent, that we can let racism, this silly social construct, that seeks to assign value to people or rob value from people on the basis of something like skin color. What is wrong with us? And as I asked that question, I believe that the Lord gave me an answer. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with people? What's wrong with America? Here's what's wrong with us. We don't love what God loves. More specifically, we don't love who God loves. To say it a different way, we don't see value in the places where God sees value. Listen, among the things that God loves most is his human creation, the people that he made, me and you. And so I believe that our problem, at least one of them, at least one of the main ones, is that we don't love what God loves. We don't love who God loves. I was drawn this week to one of my favorite passages of scripture in Psalm 139. Verse 13 says, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. 
how well I know it. Verse 15, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I love that text, and it has new meaning on a week like today. What is the psalmist talking about? He's talking about the beauty and the sanctity of life. I love how he's talking about a baby being formed in the womb. This is why we're devastated and outraged and saddened when a child is killed in the womb, when somebody takes liberty with that unborn life because that, 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 that life that's being formed is not a mistake. It's not insignificant. Like God is taking his time. He's using his creativity. He's using his, his, all of his eternal might to form that life, to form that child, to shape that future because there's purpose in that belly. There's, there's purpose in that person. There's a plan. God didn't just roll the dice with you. He didn't just roll the dice with me. The psalmist says God had intention. He had planned us, each and every one of us. God planned me. And when he was forming me in my mama's belly, he had a plan for me. And that plan included this beautiful coat of chocolate skin. This isn't a mistake. This isn't an accident. This isn't random. God planned this. When he was forming my beautiful wife, Shannon, in her mother's womb. He planned her white skin. When God was planning our four kids that are biracial, it wasn't a mistake. He didn't run out of other stuff and just sort of had to assign them that color, that cue. He, he planned that. And for our Filipino brothers and sisters, and for our African, our Nigerian, Ghanaian uh, brothers and sisters, if you're from Puerto Rico, if you're from Mexico, if you're from Ireland, if you're from the Netherlands, it doesn't matter. God planned you. He, he, he planned, he intended to make you who you are. He assigned purpose and value to you. And my job is to see you the way that he sees you. And your job is to see me the way that he sees me. This person made in the image of God of much worth and value and when I stop doing that for whatever reason or when I never learn to do that for whatever reason we are in trouble we have a problem because a lot goes wrong when we fail to see value in people that God sees value in and this is what we get when that doesn't happen. We've seen these examples of this indifference right before our eyes in recent weeks. Because when a white man can hop in his pickup truck with his son and chase down an unarmed black man, gun him down in the streets, you can do that real easily when you don't see value in his life. I'm talking about Ahmaud Arbery. When police can burst into an apartment in the middle of the night with a no-knock warrant, shoot an innocent black woman to death as she lay sleeping, an 
arrest her boyfriend for defending himself and his girlfriend in their own place. When you can do that callously without apology, with indifference, you can do that real smooth when you don't value their life. I'm talking about Breonna Taylor. When you can weaponize your whiteness by calling the police on a black man that's bird watching in the park because he asked you to leash your dog. And you can feign distress on the phone with full knowledge of what that can mean for that black man's freedom and for that black man's life. When you can do that quickly, when you can do that instinctively, you can only do that if you don't see him as equal to you. You don't see him as somebody made in the image of God of much worth and value. I'm talking about Christian Cooper. When you can, as a police officer, rest your knee in almost the full weight of your body on a black man's neck, as he repeatedly says, I can't breathe. And in his distress, calls out for his mother. And you can stay on his neck for eight agonizing minutes as the life leaves his body when you can do that with cool and callous indifference it's clear that you don't see that person is made in the image of god you don't see the value in that person and of course i'm talking about our brother george floyd something is wrong with us we have a value problem. So you said, Preacher, you told us the problem. What's the solution? I'm glad you asked. And I believe that I could talk long and loud about this uh, and go many different directions. But I feel like the Spirit of God is leading us in this moment toward three specific things, three challenges. And let me just also say that it would just be real easy for me to show up today and, and talk to white people. And, and, and straighten out white people. But I, I believe that the comprehensive solution to this lands on all of us. God gives all of us something to do. And so this isn't just for white people this morning. This isn't just for a certain ethnic group or a certain race. This is for everybody today. Three challenges. The first is to take inventory. Take inventory. In other words, look around the room of your life and see if there are things present that might prevent you from seeing value in people that God assigns value to. I'm talking specifically other kinds of people. And on a week like today, I'm specifically talking about different races, different ethnicities, different cultures of people. Look around the room of your life. And see if there are things present that are causing you to feel some type of way, to look some type of way toward other kinds of people. And don't just take a casual look. I mean, look really, really hard. And I believe the Lord wants to arrest us with this word today, but we have to let him. I think the Lord has come here today to shake us in the midst of this crisis, within a crisis. He, he wants to shake us, but we have to let him. We have to submit to his work today. And one of the main ways we do this is we have to look around the room of our life 
and allow him to point out the things that exist there that are keeping us from seeing value where he sees value. I love this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, Jesus is sitting at the Last Supper with his disciples. Verse 20 says, When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one, Lord? Is it me, God, that's going to betray you? Now, I used to laugh at this because I found this really interesting that these are disciples. These are going to be the apostles. Like These are guys who are going to go and tear the whole world up for the kingdom and proclaiming uh, the message of the gospel. And, and they did not know if they had it in them to betray the Savior. They asked Jesus one by one, is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? I used to find this comical, but the more I walk with Jesus, the more I periodically take inventory on my life, I am often surprised by the things that I find there. I'm often surprised by the programs that are running in my mind and in my heart and in my life that are causing me to react and respond and relate to the world around me that I had no idea were there. And the longer I do that, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more <laughs> I must entertain the possibility that there are things in me working against life and godliness, working against me being who God has called me to be. And so I have to take inventory, which is what these disciples were doing in this text. I love this text because they were filled with humble curiosity. They were filled with humble ignorance that caused them to minimally entertain the idea, uh, entertain the possibility, entertain the likelihood that it was them who would betray Jesus. And I think in this moment that we have to be consumed with that same humble curiosity, that same ignorance, that same uh, inquiring reality that they might say, Lord, is it me that would betray you? By failing to see value in other people? Is, is it me? Is there something in me? Is something working in my life? Was there a program stalled, installed long ago that's causing me to view the world a certain way? That's causing me to view people a certain way? Is it, is it me, Lord? Do I have something in me? And let me just say, for some of us, when we take inventory, for some of us, it's not hard to find the stuff that's there. Not on a week like today. For some of us, it's easy to see because it's right there. It's right on the surface, the stuff in our life that's causing us to rob others of value. Because if you're like me this week, you are black and you are mad. You, you are in a fighting mood. Frankly, you're over it. You're over certain groups of people. You're done with it. This is too much. On top of all that I've experienced in my life. On top of all that I know. Here we go again with this. This keeps happening. And now for real, it's us versus them. I am over it. If you're like me, you've had moments like that this week. There, there, you might even be still experiencing that in this moment. You're black and you're mad and you're just done. Or maybe you're... Uh, just a, uh, another person of color, and you 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 have you, you connect with uh, our black pain this week, and you say, you know what? I, I am I am done. I'm 
over it. You don't have to look too hard to find what's working against seeing value in other kinds of people. Or maybe you're white uh, and you grew up a certain way. You've been socialized a certain way. You've enjoyed a homogeneous upbringing um, that has shaped you, that has formed the way you view the world, and has formed your politics, and it, has, it is the absence of diversity in your life, the absence of meaningful interactions with different kinds of people that have shaped your worldview, and that particular worldview causes you to assign value to yourself and your culture and your whiteness while devaluing others. And you may not be an active racist, but you don't see people as equal. Maybe your parents raised you to be suspicious, or maybe your parents were racist and they socialized you to think, hey, hey be careful. Don't trust those people, they're dangerous. Or maybe in the absence of any meaningful interactions, you got your social education from the news, which is slanted from stereotypes and broad sweeping generalizations. Maybe the racism that exists in this country that assigns value to whiteness and devalues people of color has shaped you within and that's what's working against you seeing value in places where you should see value. Wherever you are, whoever you are, I believe the Lord wants us to take inventory, to ask, is it me, Lord? Or is it in me, Lord? Is there something that I can see? Or is there something that I can't see that is preventing me from seeing people the way you see them, from valuing them the way you value them? Is, is it me, Lord? Is it, is it me? Because on a week like this week, my humanity might cause me to retreat in the opposite direction from those people who I've got a beef with, who I've got an issue with. It doesn't matter whether it's a person of color or a person that's white. My humanity, my instincts, they're saying, you know what, it's just easier to stay with my own people. It's just easier to just hang with my own kind. But the pursuit of the solution to our value problems send us into the thick of life with different kinds of people. This may not be a popular message this, this, this morning. But if we're going to love God and love people, if we're going to be a people on purpose and people on mission, we are called into the thick of life with others, which brings me to my second challenge. I told you, you gotta take inventory. The second thing you have to do is you have to get proximate. You have to get proximate. You have to get close. You have to press in. And I'm so glad we're entering phase three here in Illinois, where we could just at least meet with a few folks in person because at a time like this, the last thing we need to be is hole up in our, in our apartments or in our Houses, we need to get close to other people. Love God, love people, right? Well, you can't love God unless you are reconciled unto Him. Love people? You can't love people unless you are reconciled unto people. And hear what I say. Reconciliation is a contact sport. 
Reconciliation is a contact sport. If you're going to be reconciled to God, you got to get close to him. you got to close the gap. you got to eliminate the space between you and him. If you're going to be reconciled to others, you're going to have to get close. You can't phone this in. You can't Zoom or Skype this in. you got to get close. you got to rub up against the things and the people that you're to be reconciled with. You have to get proximate. And I know this is challenging because every instinct wants to pull back. I'm angry. I want to pull back. I'm afraid. I want to pull back. There is mistrust. I want to pull back. I need to feel the urge to, to, to preserve self. I want to pull back. I might even be afraid of what my own people might think if I'm seen with some white people or if I'm showing solidarity with white people or if white people, if you're expressing outrage or if you're using your voice and you're you, you might fear what your parents or more, your my, friends or what your family might think. Everything within us is, is, is pulling us away. Because many of us have experienced growing up in a homogeneous setting and we know there's comfort there, there's safety there, there's ease there. But if I want to see value in different kinds of people, if I want to love who God loves, I got to get close to the person. The picture I get is like you ever see his jewel. Jewelers on TV, they're examining a precious stone. They got the thing in there and they, it's real close. They're examining. I got to get close if I'm going to find the value in, in you and to see who you really are and to learn how you take. I got to get close to you. And that's hard right now because everything wants us to pull away. Some of us live such homogeneous lives and we don't get it. We don't, get, we don't see value in other people. I can tell by some of the things I see on social media. I can say, I tell uh, by the lack of empathy that is being shown while people grieve and they're in pain. But the charge is to get proximate. So I've said you got to take inventory. I said you got to get proximate, which brings me to my third and final challenge. After you've done all that, you got to make room. You have to make room. You say, preacher, make room for what? You got to make room for our fallen humanity because we're getting close to, we're finding value in other imperfect, broken, oftentimes wounded human beings. You have to make some room. You have to budget some consideration for all of that. You have to make room for my difference. Worldview is different, right? My story is different. My politics are going to be different. My way of life is going to be different. You got to make some room for that. Listen, this blackness comes with some stuff. And that you don't get me unless you get my worldview. You don't get me unless you understand how I've been socialized. You don't get this blackness without my music, without my culture, without my forwardness, without my aggressiveness and my passion and my swagger. Like, there's a lot that comes with this. You've got to make room for me and all of my stuff. If you're going to get proximate to me, if you're going to see value in me, don't you try to file me down. 
Bro, you try to make me into something that, that's, that's more comfortable for you. If you're going to get me, you got to get my blackness. You got to make some room. And along with that blackness comes some hurts and some habits. We got history, especially in this country. So if you're going to make room for me, you're going to make some room for that. I want to make room for you. I got to to make room for your ignorance. I'm going to expect you to not fully understand me. I'm not going to expect you not to fully understand my story. So I got to make room for your ignorance. I I got to make some room for your miseducation. And as I'm making room, I'm realizing there's only so much space. I got to scooch in tight. I also have to, I have to lay some things down. If I'm going to get proximated, this is going to work. I got to lay some things down. I got to lay down some rights if I'm going to make room. I might have to lay down some privileges. I might have to lay down my power or I might have to lay down some suspicion. We might have to decrease so that others might increase in moments of pronounced pain and injustice. I might have to fall back so that you can be lifted up and healed. Like, we got to do this dance. We got to make some room. We got to make some room. We got to lay down some things. So that we might be proximate. So that we might learn each other and see value. In moments like this, you might have to do more listening than talking. You might have to grant people the right to be the experts of their own pain and their own story. If this is going to work, if you're going to see me for who I am, if you're going to see, if I'm going to see you for who you are and find value, I have to make room. And listen, this is why our church exists. To hold space for difference, to make room for difference, to help you discover value in people and in places where you would have never seen it before because of how you grew up or because of how you've been socialized or because of the traumatic things that you've experienced at the hands of different kinds of people. You might have missed it were you not in faithful community with a lot of different kinds of folks. And this isn't just so we can just hang out and have fun together. It's fun. But this is so that we can be adequately prepared for the mission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all men. I can't see value in difference if I haven't learned it. I can't see value in people out there if I don't learn to see the value in people in here. This is tied to our mission. And here's why this is so challenging. It takes a long time to get good at this. There, I said it. It takes a long time to get good at immediately seeing value in people. It takes a long time. You gotta sit in this for a while. You gotta make some mistakes. You gotta say some ignorant, offensive things and be checked by your friends. It takes a while to get good at this. I say this because people get weary of this subject really quickly. Yeah, everybody's posting about it now because there's a major news event that has